Hey, well, it's my privilege to wrap up the series Specs. Um, we've got a picture of George Michael up there. We're going to use him for the, the, the series Faith, because you've got to have faith. Um, and said to me, do you want, do you want me to send the, the ladies one or the men's one? Because I, I was preaching, I said, well, it doesn't matter, they both look the same. <laughs> but anyway, I'm wrapping up Specs today, and... Um, I wanted to start by, by, by giving you the title of my message this morning, and, and the title of my message is, A Brother from Another Mother. A Brother from Another Mother. Why don't you tap the person next to you and say, who's your mama? See, what I, what I find interesting is that you can have two people come from the same home and have a different perspective. Yeah? I mean, we've got five kids um, we've got four boys, one girl. She was a 20-year promise from God. If, if, if at first you don't succeed, try and try and try and try again. And we finally got our girl. But they're all different. You'd expect the boys to be different from the girl. But even the boys are different. I mean, they share a lot of similarities. They're all musicians, except for Timmy, I think, who, who might be our, uh, our sound guy, our nerd, out, out of the lot of them. But they're all different. I mean, Tim will sit there in the service like he did in the last service. And he'll count how many minutes that the speaker, either myself, Pastor Ants, Lois, anyone that's up here speaking, will go over time. And yet, our 17-year-old Geordie couldn't care less. And, and it's ironic because he was playing drums. It's his job is to keep the time. And all he cares about is what's for lunch. Parents, do you hear me? Okay, Lois is an identical twin, for those of you who didn't know. She's, she's not, so she's shared the same womb with her sister for nine months. Yeah. Same house, same food, same rules, and they're totally different. Their, their perspective is totally different. Lois is the Christian, she's a believer, and her sister is the heathen. I mean, if, if, you, if you met her sister, you know what I'm talking about. We have to file her horns down and hide her pitchfork so that she can blend in. All right? Two perspectives. And what I find is that you can come from the same house, have the same food, go to the same school, have the same teaching, listen to the same music, and have a different perspective on life. You look at Cain and Abel in the Bible, the first two sons of Adam and Eve. Two sons, same food, same teaching, same school, same music, and then Cain kills his brother Abel. It's astonishing. He kills him because he's jealous of the fact that God likes Abel's sacrifice more than his. Hmm. Interesting. Same food, same teaching, same parents. Some people even believe that they may have even been twins the way that Genesis is worded. She bore and gave birth, and then she gave birth again. doesn't say conceived, sorry. Um, so they even think that they may have been twins. The Bible labels Cain as a murderer and Abel as righteous. Different perspectives. I could, I could imagine, see, I have this, this imagination that I, I play stories out in the Bible from where it doesn't tell you anything, and, and I could just imagine Adam and Eve after that, they've been kicked out of the garden, the fall of man, and, and they're out there, and, and they've got their two boys, and they raise them, they're doing life, and then Cain looks at his father and he says, Father, why do we live out here in this horrible place? I mean, there's so many thorns. The ground is hard. 
Mum always talks about this beautiful garden that you guys used to live in. Why are we out here? And I could just imagine Adam turning to his son Cain and saying, it's your mother's fault. Okay, guys, you can just give me a, all the husbands in here, getting an elbow from the wife. I shouldn't have listened to her. I shouldn't have eaten that tomato. It's not an apple, it's a tomato, because tomatoes are of the devil. I shouldn't have listened to her. But then I could imagine Eve being the responsible mum that she is, sitting her boys down and telling them, well, hey, actually, this is what really happened. We, we transgressed, we sinned against God, and God covered us with animal skins. You know, Adam's rocking these snakeskin boots. God covers, covered us with, with animal skin, and, for, and in order for God to cover us with animal skin, he had to sacrifice some animals. Is it fair to say that that's probably what she told them? So you would think that Cain and Abel would bring the same offering to God when it's their turn. But only Abel brings an animal sacrifice to God. And Cain brings God a bowl of fruit. Same house, same rules, same food, same music, different perspective. And so it's fair to say then that as Christians, we can be in the same house, eat the same food, listen to the same messages, sing the same hill song, worship songs, and have a different perspective of God. Yeah? Is that fair to say? Okay. So if that's the case then, when we read the scripture that says, who the Son sets free, is free indeed. Not free on Sundays. Not free if you're a pastor or if you've been good this week. And not free in theory, but free indeed. Then it's fair to say that we can have one person who will be free and another person who will be bound. Is that fair enough to say? Same food, same teaching, same house, same music, different perspective. So it's possible then for you to be born again, be baptized turn up for church every Sunday, pray in tongues, go to prayer meeting, go through Alpha Course, pay your tithes, and still be bound. And that's okay. But I'm just saying you don't have to be. If you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, verse 29? And it's going to come up on the screen. If you've got your Bibles, Galatians 3. It's always good to check what the, the preacher's talking about because we can get up here and say anything we want. And if you don't check it out, you probably believe us. You believe us even more if the Bible verse has got KJV in there somewhere. In fact, if you're sitting next to someone who has the word King and James in their Bible version, you can refer to them as apostle, prophet, if you want. Okay, Galatians 3.29. And it says, if you are Christ's, can I see a, a, a raise of hands if you are Christ this morning? If you belong to Christ, raise your hand. Okay, so that's the majority of us. That's cool. So then the Scripture is talking to you. Yeah? If you are Christ, 
It says, and you are Abraham's seed. Everybody say seed. And heir. Not heir. Pastor Ed's. Heir. According to the promise. So in other words, if, if you've been born again, if you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, then you are Abraham's seed and heir according to the promise. Amen? Now here's where it's important to know who your mother is. Because Abraham has a few sons to a few wives. Mm. If you go to the next chapter in Galatians, it's in chapter 4, verse 22. It's up on the, on the screen there. It says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons. And the fact of the matter is that Abraham had more than two sons, but this one's giving us a perspective. One of Abraham's later sons was Midian, who Moses, whose descendants Moses runs into when he's on the run from Pharaoh and, and meets Jethro, the, the Midian priest, and, and marries his daughter Zipporah. And, and, and what's amazing about God is that he always preserves things through seed. Yeah? So, so Jethro's other name in the Bible was Rehuel, which means friend of God. And what's amazing is that Abraham is referred to the friend of God later in Scripture. God's amazing, right? Anyway, so he has these two sons. Uh, for it was written that Abraham had two sons. The one by a bondwoman. Say bondwoman with me. Mm. The other by a free woman. Say free woman. So, but he who was of the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. Flesh means man will do. Mm. And he of the free woman through promise. And promise is what God will do. Okay, so the story of Abraham starts in, in Genesis 12. And, and, and God says to Abraham, come out of your father's house. Come out of your country. It's leading him to Canaan. He says, and from you will come a great nation. Now, a couple of things you need to understand before we go any further and the story is that, number one, Abraham's father, Terah, and the Fano are worshipping idols in Ur. In fact, Joshua 24 references it, and he says that Terah and them served other gods while they're on that side, talking about Mesopotamia. They even sacrificed children to these idols, to these statues. That's why it wasn't foreign to, to Abraham to lay his son on the altar when God would eventually ask him to. And the second thing you've got to understand about Abraham is that he doesn't have a King James Bible. I mean, King James wasn't out then, let alone your NIVs and your LDTs and BLTs, bacon, lettuce, and tomatoes. The Word wasn't written, and it wouldn't be written for another 500 years. And Abraham didn't have a local church to go to. He didn't have a worship session he could turn up to and worship God. He didn't have a prayer meeting. There was no alpha course for him to, to study. So you have to ask yourself, how come Abraham's perspective is different than everybody else's? How come while everyone else in his town are worshipping statues, Abraham talks to God? You have to ask that. Why is his perspective different? And the only clue I could find, and please, if you find any more, I'd love to see them, but the only 
thing I could find in Scripture was in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. If you can put that up on the screen. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. And it says, For since the creation of the world, His, capital H means God, His invisible attributes are clearly seen. So God's character, His nature is clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made. Now we're not talking about cell phone towers and skyscrapers here because we're talking from the beginning of creation. So it's talking about creation itself. That God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So the Bible's telling us that they had no excuse not to know God because of everything around them. And again, when we look at perspective, you have to see that while some people are looking at the sun and the moon and the stars and worshipping them as gods, that Abraham could look at the same sun, the same moon, the same stars that everyone else is looking at, and see that there's an order to these luminary bodies. That every day the sun comes up, and then every day the sun goes down. And then the moon comes up, and it takes a month to go around. And that the stars would show up in the same place every year at the same time. Different perspective. And so Abraham must have seen this order to all of creation and realized that there was a God above that was ordering them. Different perspective. So anyway, back to the story of Abraham. So Abraham leaves his father's house, leaves Haran. His father dies up there. He comes down to Canaan. Um, we're going to try and skip through about 25 years in, in the amount of time i got left, so we'll make it quick. Uh, basically, he comes down to Canaan. There for a little while, there's a famine. They go down to Egypt, him and Sarah. They go down to Egypt. A few funny things happen down there. They come back up. Uh, his, his nephew and him part ways because they've got quite a lot of uh, sheep, goats, all, all that kind of stuff. All the, all the sheer milkers are arguing over whose patch of grass is, the cows are going to eat and all that kind of stuff. So they, they split ways. Abraham said, if you go that way, I'll go this way. It doesn't matter because I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the field. That was his perspective on God. So they, they part ways. And then a little while later, he gets the news that his nephew's been kidnapped. So he takes 318 of his cooks and, and cleaners and, and pursues the kidnappers and gets his nephew back. And, and the rest of the whanau that was taken, and all the stuff. And then on his way back, he meets up with this Melchizedek, this, this, this amazing priest that just shows up in the middle of nowhere. Who is he? Without father, without mother, without beginning of days or end of life. Melchizedek, king of righteousness, the king of Salem, Salem or the king of peace. And it says that Melchizedek blesses Abraham, and Abraham pays tithes to Melchizedek. And sometimes, as Christians, our perspective on tithing is that it's an Old Testament law. And because we're not under the law, then it doesn't apply to us today. But the law wasn't out. Remember, he didn't have a King James Bible. It was initiated by faith. Faith is how we roll. Yeah? All right? We're not under the law. Okay, it's amazing. Anyway, let's get back. Pastor Ants doesn't pay me to preach about tithing. 
But I just love to see people set free in their finances. Yeah? Amen. Anyway. Anyway. So 10 years have passed, and Abraham still hasn't had a son. Anybody feel like that sometimes? That your promise is taking longer than it should? 20 years, we had to wait for a girl. So Willie and Louie Flesh try and try and try. Man will do, right? 10 years and he hasn't had a son. And so his wife, wife, his wife Sarah, decides to give Abraham her Egyptian maid, okay, to hurry the process along. And so Abraham and Hagar do their thing, and, and then nine months later, they have a son. And they call his name Ishmael. There's a lot behind his name, but for sake of time, we'll, we'll carry on. So, so they have Ishmael, and that's cool. And, and, and Abraham thinks everything's cool. In the meantime, him, his wife, and the maid are, are sort of at each other's throats and, and all that kind of thing. And then another 13 years pass, and God shows up again, and he says, your promise is going to come through Sarah. Sarah's going to have a baby. Now, now Abraham finds this amusing because he's 99 at this stage. 99 years old. Sarah's 89 years old. That'd be pretty funny if God said that to me. Okay? And then, and then a little while later, God says the same thing. He says, Sarah's going to have a baby. Now, this time Sarah hears, and she laughs. Yeah, and God says, what's, what's Sarah laughing at? She said, oh, I didn't laugh. God said, no, you did. Nine months later, they have a boy, Isaac. They name him Laughter. Isaac means laughter. Mm. So now you have these two sons. A son of a bondwoman and a son of a free woman. A son of the flesh, man will do, and a son of promise, God will do. You have laughter and then you have Ishmael, which means God will hear. And later on you'll read about how God says that he hears the groaning of his children in Egypt under bondage. So it's, it's speaking about bondage. You have the son of a free woman and the son of a bondwoman. And so you have to ask yourself, what nurtures this perspective? Because you are the seed of Abraham and is according to the promise. So you need to ask yourself, what is feeding your perspective? So you can have the same father. Will we all agree that we have the same father? Yeah? And have a different perspective. You can have faith and have a different perspective. Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He's talking about which seed you come from. Which line are you from this morning? If you're going to be bound this morning, then everything in heaven above you will be bound. If you're going to be free this morning, then everything above in heaven for you is open and free. If we are Christ, then our perspective should be one of freedom and promise. If we're Abraham, see, we, we need to have that perspective of freedom and promise because the son of a bondwoman will never be free. Last week, Pastor Ants had um, 
Martin up here, the principal, and, and they talked about Islam. And they talked about how legalistic Islam is. Would you be surprised to know that the, the Muslim prophet Muhammad is a direct descendant of Ishmael and proud of it? He's one of their, Ishmael is the patriarch in their religion. Their whole religion is based on a bondwoman. That's why they are always under and striving for Sharia law. Because they have not been set free. But the Bible says who the sun sets free is free indeed. Even a Muslim can be set free. Yeah? You know, sometimes we as Christians can get legalistic as well. Hey, you shouldn't be doing that. Hey, you know, leave that stuff alone. And I understand, it's cool if you've got some concern for that person. But if you're operating under law, then maybe you just need to do you and let them do them. Because we're not under the law. We're children of promise. Sometimes our perspective on God is that if we do well, if we do good, I'm a good person. I hear that a lot at work when they're asking me about my faith. Yeah, I'm a good person. That was that as if I care because I, I understand that it's not by good works that we're saved it's the blood of Jesus simple so we need to have that perspective that we are under that promise inheritance is not by merit if you're an heir of Abraham you don't get the promises because you're good you get the promises because he's good you get the promises because of who you are. The, the, the definition for the word heir is a person legally entitled to the property or rank of another when that person dies. That's it. There's nothing you can do to earn God's promises. So maybe we need to stop trying and just accept the fact that who the sun sets free is free indeed. Romans 4.14, if we can have that up there, there he's so on to it, he's fast. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. So what it's saying is that if you think the law is going to get you your inheritance from God, then you've just made faith zilch and no promise. You don't get the promise. Interesting. Jesus says in, in John 8, he's talking to the Jews and they're saying, well, hey, we're the seed of Abraham. Abraham's our father. He said, if you were Abraham's seed, you'd do the works of Abraham. What are the works of Abraham? James 2.23 says, Abraham believed. We've got to have faith like George Michael up there. Abraham believed, and it said, because Abraham believed, he got a tick next to the word righteousness under his name. And he was called the friend of God. Mm. Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. If you want to please God, put your law book down and start walking in faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. 11, Hebrews 11.6 says that. 
For those that come to Him must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. We're not under the law today, church. Would you stop trying? You get tired. It's tiring doing it your own way. We waited 20 years for a promise and we finally got our little princess. It was a long time, but your promise is coming. Maybe that's a word for someone this morning. Your promise is coming. You may think that God's forgotten about you, but He hasn't. All you have to do is believe because we walk by faith. God's promises are yes and amen. The Bible says that you are the head and not the tail. You are above and you're not beneath. The Bible says that you're a royal priesthood because you're a peculiar nation. That's what God thinks of you. Don't get up every morning and think that God's about ready to throw some lightning bolts at you because you're going to be disappointed. The weather's fine. All you need to do is worry about navigating your way through the cloud. You know, sometimes we get like that. We think that God's out to destroy us. Yeah, well, Willie, you don't know what I've done this week. It doesn't matter. He sent his only son. The Bible says that why wouldn't he freely give us all things? Are you a child of promise this morning or are you a child of the law? Because God's called you to inherit his promises. Amen. Thank you.